Peter Weir has directed 13 feature films, three of which, Witness, Dead Poet Society and Master and Commander, have received Oscar nominations for Best Picture. He himself has been nominated six times, four for directing the three titles I just mentioned, plus another for The Truman Show. In addition, he was nominated for Best Original Screenplay with Green Card and for producing Master and Commander. And yet, he has never received an Academy Award. There are few directors alive who have been so nominated and yet so denied the statuette. But then again, the Oscars are not necessarily a barometer of excellence. No, the best measure of a film's excellence is to see how the film bears repeated viewing over a period of time. Because Peter Weir gathers together a variety of deeply textured themes and weds them to a classical form, of those 13 films, quite a number stand up to repeated viewing. Weir's use of music, while not unique, is worth noting. Quentin Tarantino does it, and for Raging Bull, Goodfellas, Casino and Shutter Island, Martin Scorsese did the same thing. Namely, use music that already existed prior to his making the film. This is a daring thing to do, for it runs the risk of taking music that the audience already knows, by which I mean they already have constructed a relationship with, and then challenging that relationship, if not trying to redefine it altogether. It's something that Stanley Kubrick found himself doing in 1968, as he approached the release date of his sci-fi masterpiece, 2001. Kubrick had already commissioned a full score by Alex North, and even though North had written and recorded the music, Kubrick decided at almost the last minute to ditch everything North had done for him. Weir has never done anything so drastic, but he has taken uncommissioned music and pinned it onto vast swathes of his pictures. Take, for instance, Picnic at Hanging Rock. It is based on a true story that occurred in the Australian outback of 1900, where a group of schoolgirls and their teacher vanished without trace while visiting Hanging Rock in central Victoria. Weir used the second movement of Beethoven's Fifth Piano Concerto, as well as Bach's Prelude No. 1 in C from the Well-Tempered Clavier, the Romance movement from Mozart's Anna Kleine Nachtmusik, and the Andante Cantabile movement from Tchaikovsky's String Quartet No. 1. selection of music makes sense. The film is set in 1900, so all the privately educated white schoolgirls and their mistress 
would be familiar with the works. But what Weir did next was highly unusual. He chose, of all things, traditional Romanian melodies performed on panpipe by Georges Zamfir. But once you see and watch the picture, you realise that they complement one another in the most unusual way. For Gallipoli, which was set in World War I, Weir again bathed sections of the film in music composed elsewhere. This time using Albanoni's Adagio for Strings in G minor, Tales from the Vienna Woods by Johann Strauss. And again, of all things, the electronic music of Jean-Michel Jarre. next picture, The Year of Living Dangerously, he approached none other than Jean-Michel Jarre's father, Maurice Jarre, and the collaboration there was so successful that they worked together on Weir's next three pictures, Witness, The Mosquito Coast and Dead Poet Society. Maurice Jarre is a three-time Oscar-winning composer whose biggest successes came from his collaboration with David Lean on Lawrence of Arabia, Dr. Zhivago and A Passage to India. That, I think, is a point worth examining, because there are some other links between the films of Peter Weir and David Lean. The films of both directors possess a longing for the horizon, by which I mean the travelling to it. We all know that you can never actually reach the horizon, so in their films it is not so much the arrival as what you learn along the journey. For those journeys, the films of Peter Weir and David Lean take men, usually outsiders, and place them in alien landscapes. In Gallipoli, you have young Australian soldiers fighting on the shores of the Dardanelles. In the year of living dangerously, an Australian journalist goes to Indonesia to report on the political turmoil and finds himself transformed by the landscape and its people as a brutal military coup is about to take place. With Witness, Weir's first film set in America, Harrison Ford plays John Book, a Philadelphian police detective who has to enter into a closed Amish community in order to protect a young boy who has seen a murder. Weir's adaptation of Paul Thoreau's novel The Mosquito Coast follows Charlie Fox as he takes his family from the United States 
and tries to find a simpler life in the jungles of Central America. State your business, Reverend. It's the Lord's business I'm about, Mr. Fox. Oh, is that so? I didn't know the Lord was franchising in the neighborhood. The Reverend looks a little hot. Perhaps some cold tea, Ellie? Mother? The Lord sent me here, Mr. Fox. That's what I love about you people, your complete lack of presumption. The Lord hasn't any idea this place exists. In The Way Back, which is set during World War II, a number of political prisoners escape their Siberian gulag and walk over 4,000 miles to secure freedom in India. However, not all of Weir's films undertake physical journeys. For instance, in Fearless, Jeff Bridges plays a man who survives a plane crash and undergoes an enormous spiritual transformation instead. Likewise, in Dead Poets Society, once the young students are exposed to the beauty of poetry, they find themselves seeing the world through different eyes. For me, these themes and tropes unite in near-perfect harmony in The Truman Show, which, although it delays its physical journey until the last act, makes it more effective because until then, whether he knew it or not, Truman was preparing to leave his hometown. Only it isn't a town, but rather an enormous TV studio, which means Truman's great journey will be to enter into reality. With those themes and uses of classical music, it should come as no surprise that Weir's film style is by no means avant-garde. If anything, his preference is for the classically framed image, traditionally motivated cutting patterns, and a dramatic unity that brings us gently but firmly through the two acts of setup and complication until we secure a resolution in Act 3. However, that was not the case early in his career when he made Picnic at Hanging Rock. A film that toys with mysticism from the very start once the schoolgirls begin exploring the enigma of the landscape in the outback, it becomes clear that Weir is not interested in solving their disappearance, but is instead more keen to preserve the mysteries of it. Overall, the films I have mentioned contain intense encounters between not just strangers in strange lands, but also cultures that come into conflict. Weir frequently collapses these cultures down to two people. This can be seen in what is for me his best film, Master and Commander. Condensing several Patrick O'Brien novels into one film, Despite the vast expanses of the Pacific Ocean, Weir keeps very focused on the friendship between the ship's captain, Jack Aubrey, and the ship's physician, Stephen Maturin. In moments of leisure, Aubrey and Maturin regularly play chamber music together, their melodies indicating 
an agreement of opinion between them. But when it comes to their duties, Aubrey is first and foremost a military man, while Maturin is the man of science. And it is that tension that underpins Aubrey's mission to capture the formidable French war vessel, the Acheron, and Maturin's wish to explore the natural world. As the film ends, the differences between the two men are unresolved. But like all journeys that pursue the horizon, it never will be resolved. I admit that I say this at my peril, but at the age of 69, Peter Weir is perhaps approaching retirement. Then again, directors seem to be availing more and more of their free bus pass these days. Clint Eastwood is 83, Woody Allen 77, Ridley Scott 75. So in that company, Peter Weir is a spring chicken, which hopefully means he will take us on a few more journeys. (laughs) 